Hi there everybody, my name's John. Welcome to my kitchen, um, which is also at the moment functioning as a classroom. And we've just got a little bit of time to record this before the next lesson sort of begins, so we better crack on with it. Well, what a time. I saw last month described by the BBC as the month that changed everything. And it feels like everything's changed. Some of us are super busy at the moment. Others of us are finding it a challenge to keep ourselves occupied. But for all of us, working, shopping, socialising look different. Um, our city looks different. I saw these incredible photos that were taken of Nottingham City Centre at one o'clock on what would have been a busy day. In the last few days, uh, many of us have had to learn how to Zoom. Uh, many of us have gone out and bought hand moisturiser for the first time um, because of our dry hands. Um, and let's be honest, some of us are missing McDonald's already. But it's not been all bad. Um, you can now, for example, go to church in your pyjamas, which some of you are probably doing right now. Fair play to you for that. Um, but, of course, we mustn't trivialise these times. We're seeing tragic news every day. It's completely unprecedented. And so um, it'd be totally understandable if you hadn't noticed that Easter um, is approaching. We're entering into the week where the church worldwide celebrates and remembers the last week that Jesus spent in Jerusalem, starting with his entry to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday today, journeying through the week towards Good Friday when we remember the crucifixion, and then on to Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection. And whilst we've just come through the month that changed everything, it's perhaps helpful to remember that it was these events that unfolded in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago that really did change everything. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, whilst we can say right now that things are changing, it's also fair to say that nothing really has changed, in the sense that Jesus is still the King, the Gospel is still good news, and the Church whilst it has kind of left the building, so to speak, um, we're still united, we're still one. And, and, and Jesus promised that against the church, the gates of hell would not prevail. So this cannot be shaken and undone, even by something as global and seismic as the coronavirus outbreak. But what is it about this story of these events that happened in Jerusalem 2000 years ago that give us such hope? Well, we're gonna begin this week and this journey by looking at Matthew's Gospel chapter 21, if you've got your Bibles with you. The context here is that after three years of ministry, Jesus has headed towards Jerusalem. He's begun to talk about how he must face death there and he heads there with a plan. He sends his disciples ahead of him to fetch a donkey and then he sits on it and he rides into Jerusalem through the East Gate. And Matthew records that this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to your daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. And as this happened, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. See, Jesus coming like this on a donkey it had actually been prophesied centuries before by one of the prophets, Zechariah, that the Messiah would come on a donkey. But at the time, in one of the other accounts of this um, story, in, in, in Jesus' friend John's account, we read that at the time the disciples didn't understand the symbolism of this. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. And so 
it perhaps looked a little bit peculiar, this sight of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey like this. Susie and Debbie, who you saw earlier in the service, they actually went to visit Jerusalem earlier in the year in January. And Susie was telling me that um, this path that Jesus rode down into Jerusalem on was really steep. Um, and she was amazed that Jesus had made it down there on a donkey. And incidentally, she was, always, she was also pretty amazed that Debbie made it down the hill in her heels. And so I guess this is one of the reasons that, that we read that a large gather, a crowd gathered to see this, this spectacle, the spectacle of Jesus coming down the hill, not Susie and Debbie. And since it was the time of the Jewish Passover festival, um, we know that there would have been a big crowd in town to celebrate the, the festival and the memory of Israel's historic victory when they had thrown off the oppression of the Egyptians centuries before. And so around Passover, there would have been this sort of rebellious sense in the air. The regional Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, was in town to keep an eye on things because the Jewish rebellions often started around this time of year. And he certainly would have noticed the buzz around this person, Jesus. Just a few days before, um, Jesus had raised a, a man called Lazarus from the dead in a town not so far away. And so the news had spread. People were talking. He said the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna was this, this kind of exclamation of praise to the one who had power to save, the saviour. And it says when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. This is how the week that changed everything began, with the people giving Jesus a king's welcome. Hosanna! But of course, as we read on, we see that within just five days, everything had changed. The same crowd turned on Jesus. Instead of shouts of praise and celebration, it was condemnation. The cheers of Hosanna had turned to jeers. Crucify him, crucify him. Why did they turn on him in this way? It was because they were looking for the wrong kind of saviour. They didn't realise what he had come to do. And more importantly, they didn't realise what they needed saving from. You know, a while ago I was talking to um, a friend of mine, Joe, who for a number of years now has been part of the Nottingham Street Pastors team, uh, who go out onto the street in Nottingham in busy nights and look after people who are perhaps a little bit worse for wear on a night out. And Joe told me that so often the people they encounter there, they don't understand and they can't see what they really need. So, for example, um, recently um, she recalls a time meeting a young woman who was very drunk. She'd come staggering down Stony Street and she was calling out for fried chicken. Joe could see that she was vulnerable. She was exposed. And what she really needed wasn't chicken wings. It was protection. It was safety. It was someone who could get her home. This poor girl couldn't see in that moment what she needed most. But thankfully, she encountered a saviour who could. And of course, they got her home. And that was a bit like the crowd this day around Jesus. They thought that what they needed most of all was, was to be saved from Roman occupation, saved from political oppression. They were crying out for a political leader, a military leader, for a revolution. But as the week unfolded, it became clear that that wasn't Jesus' agenda. Instead of military might, he came to them on a donkey. Instead of allying the powers that be, the religious authorities, he confronted them and made enemies of them. 
Instead of promising to restore the temple to the glory of the days of David and Solomon, he prophesied that the temple in Jerusalem would be raised to the ground. Instead of bringing commercial and security and, pros and prosperity, he cleansed the temple of uh, the money collectors and he brought no significant wealth of his own. Instead of arriving with an entourage of people around him to wait on him like a Messiah probably should have done, he washed the feet of his own disciples. This Messiah, this saviour, didn't behave like a Messiah, certainly not the one that they had expected. And that's why they rejected him, because they were looking for the saviour that they wanted or expected. And in doing so, they missed the saviour they needed. In these crazy times, it begs the question of us, what kind of saviour are we calling on right now? One who will do what we want or what we expect, or one who can do what we really need? And right now, I think this time is reminding us of what our most deep and fundamental need as humans is. I don't know if anybody saw the story of the cat um, in the window on the BBC. Um, there was somebody who saw a cat um, in a neighbour's window the other day. And so they put a message in their own window asking, what's the cat's name? And so the cat's owner replied, his name is Walter. And before long, this story had found its way onto social media. And Walter the cat had an Instagram account and 5,000 followers. This story really struck me as revealing a profound insight into what's going on in our nation right now. And that is that collectively, we are losing the plot. We just can't handle this isolation because we're not, we're not built for it. It's painful for us. It's painful that we can't hug our grandparents. It's painful that our children can't play together in the park, that our small groups can't meet around a table together. We cannot handle it. I heard somebody joke, um, you know, for so long introverts have had to live in an extrovert's world and now, now the tables have turned. But this is uh, even for introverts. This isolation is, uh, is making us realise what matters most of all. And that's, you know, it's not money, it's not power and position, it's not work, it's not comfort, it's not even food. Although there are a fair amount of people who seem to think it is pasta. But we're realising that many of these things that we place our trust in, many of the things that we seek comfort in or try and escape to, they're not as important and they're not as um, permanent as we think. And in fact, the one thing that we really cannot truly function without, we are learning, is relationship, is connection, is exchanges and experience of love. We are realising in this time what God made clear right at the very start in Genesis. And that is that it's not good for man to be alone. The biggest problem that humanity has encountered throughout the ages is not wars or famine, and it's not even a virus, it's a relationship problem. It's the barrier of disconnect that we build between ourselves and God and between each other. You know, if you're a churchy person, then you'll have probably heard this many times before, but if you haven't, I'll try my best to explain it as best as I can. We were created as relational beings by a relational God. We were made to know him and to know others, but the reality is that every human heart has a willful, self-centred streak that has some point chosen to go its own way, pursue our own desires, and in doing so we've pushed God out. 
And what's more, it's this same self-centeredness that has also polluted our world with relational discord. And it's why we experience a world that's tainted with injustice, crime and pain. And right now, we're being reminded that, 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 that this is the thing that's most toxic of all to us, is when we become isolated from one another and from God. Disconnection. That's always been the thing that the world needs saving most from. It's our greatest need. And this is the great salvation that Jesus came to bring. He didn't come to offer material or political or societal or biological safety and assurance in this life, but relational security, relational assurance, relational wholeness. He came to, to extend forgiveness to us and acceptance and restore us to relationship with him. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, Jesus knew it would cost him his life on the cross to bring us back to him, but he knew that it needed to be done. He chose to do this. And so in that week, he was not wrong-footed when the crowd turned on him. He was not wrong-footed when the devil schemed and caused confusion and prompted others to betray him. He was not wrong-footed when they hung him on a cross. And so he most certainly is not footed right now by this virus. Yes, coronavirus is changing things. There are terrible things going on and it will get worse, we understand, before it gets better. But that does not change the message of the gospel, that Jesus is still king and that in his death, he has brought life. In the, in the midst of despair, hope is birthed. And when we cry, Jesus, save us. When we realise that what we need more than anything is to stop living our way, to stop pushing God away and instead ask him to be our Lord and Saviour, he is ready and he is willing to do so and to welcome us into his family. One of Jesus' friends, John, said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that applies both in this life and the eternal life to come. So right now, he is at work in the midst of this, doing the thing that humanity most needs. He is drawing people to himself. I heard last Sunday that on the online church platform that we're using today, over 31,000 people gave their lives to Jesus through online services going on around the world. And at least two of them I heard about were, were here at Trent. And if you're back and you're watching again, it's great to have you with us. I believe that when the records are settled in the months to come, I have a hope and a conviction that as tragic uh, as, this, as this virus is, it is not, is not going to be primarily looked back as a time of death, but a season of new life. As people flood in their thousands to come to know Jesus realizing that they need him more than anything else so if you're watching this and and this is new to you if you've never heard this before this is the amazing news that that god is real and he loves you and he wants you to know him and he is he is willing to do anything he laid down his life as a sacrifice to, to break down any barrier any disconnect that that might exist between you and him and as you sit here watching this now he is reaching out to you today.
for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, as we prepare to journey with Jesus through Holy Week, as we look towards Good Friday and Easter Sunday beyond, the thing I want to urge us together is, 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 is not to miss this. Our Saviour comes riding on a donkey and with his coming, a tide of hope is turning in this time. You know, it's so easy right now, with, all, with so much to worry about, so much going on, that, that it's so tempting to take our eyes off Jesus. You know, I've caught myself a few times in the midst of this season. I know that more than ever right now, I need to spend time with God each day. And yet at the start of the day, um, when I've been settling down to spend time with him, I found that the, you know, like the, the worries of the day ahead have, have kind of got in and, and distracted me from really connecting with God. And then later at the end of the day, by the time I've had umpteen Zoom meetings through the day and I've got the kids to bed, I feel too lethargic to engage with him as I normally would. And um, I, need to, I need to keep on um, pushing against that. And it may be that you likewise have found it challenging to fix your eyes on Jesus in this time. It might be because you're also processing questions. Questions like, why is this happening? How can God allow so much suffering? And the truth is there isn't a short or concise way to answer those absolutely valid questions. But I do believe that it's as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we fix our eyes on the cross, as we remember that God did not spare his innocent son, that those questions as valid as they are, are put in their right perspective. God is no stranger to injustice or pain and suffering, and he is absolutely with us in this. You know, during Holy Week 2000 years ago, when Jesus didn't seem to be doing the things that people expected or wanted, it, 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 it separated out the fans of Jesus from his absolute followers. And the truth is that we face a time right now that has the potential to do that, when our faith might be tested. And we each have to consider, how are we gonna to respond to this if it doesn't pan out the way we want, the way we expect? Will we, like the crowd in Jerusalem, drift away from Jesus? Will we become disconnected and yield to doubt or mistrust or look to other things, other comforts? Or will we recognise that this is a time to fix our eyes even more firmly on Jesus because he remains the thing we most need? And also he remains the thing that the world around us most needs. And we are the people to carry and bear that message. I think it was Winston Churchill who once said, never underestimate the power of a dedicated minority. And right now we are the minority that God has placed on this earth to carry a message of hope in this time, that Jesus is Lord in this darkest of hours. To carry this message that, that right now, while, while we may be separated from one another physically, that nothing, as Paul writes in Romans, neither, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation, which includes viruses, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul continues, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. 
And so what better time now, Palm Sunday, than for us to reach out to our friends and our loved ones with this same message and cry as the crowds did 2,000 years ago, the message of Hosanna, that Jesus comes to save. And some of us, we've been dying for years to have opportunities, to have conversations with friends about faith, waiting for a time when the barriers might come down. And it's, it's now. I've got a group of friends um, from school um, who, who, you know, they're not really church folk um, and they've never seen me do this. But, but now that we're online, I've had the opportunity to invite all of them this week. And, um, and that reminds me, if any of you old boys are watching this week, hi. Um, I love you, Jesus loves you, and you need him in your life. Love you. Lots. But you know, there are opportunities. Some of you have been longing for an opportunity for your kids to know Jesus more. And right now, you have the time and the space to invest energy in that, spend time praying together and talking about faith. There are opportunities in this time to be a people of hope. And as I close, I just want to present an opportunity to those of you who are new here, however you got here. Because as I said a moment ago, I believe that Jesus is reaching out to you in the midst of this. And whatever disconnect there is between you and him, he wants to take that barrier away. He wants you to know him. He wants to save you and he wants to give you new life. And there is an opportunity to step into that right now in this moment. You'll see um, below you there is a, a little button um, that says live prayer. And if you click on that, um, there'll be somebody, one of our leaders, who's waiting and wanting to have a brief chat with you online and pray with you. And in the same way for anyone else who is listening, um, if you would value prayer about anything that I've talked about or anything else, you can click that button and engage with them now. So feel free to go ahead and do that. And, um, and I'll just um, close in prayer. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here amongst us. And Lord, we thank you that in the midst of this, there is nothing, as Paul says, that can separate us from your love. Neither death nor light, life nor height nor depths. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's you who confirms this truth in our heart through the presence of your Spirit. And so we pray that you would come now and you would place trust in our hearts. You would strengthen us. Come and fill us up, Holy Spirit.